This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Breaking news to start the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show. Jonathan, producing for us. What was your favorite? Well, it's not over yet, but it will be because Laquan Treadwell is uh, not going to play here anymore after 2019. <laughs> the Vikings just announced Laquan Treadwell's 50-year option will not be picked up. Your thoughts? Not Do- surprised. Anybody surprised? Does he have to be here for a fourth year? Yeah, can they can they just can they just decline, decline the whole his, thing now? Just decline his fourth year. Our bad, our mistake. Yeah, go away. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's three years. He has one touchdown catch. One touchdown catch. Yes. Really? Is that real? Against the Packers at Lambeau, week two last year. That's it. That's amazing. One touchdown catch. Oh, the numbers are the numbers are staggeringly bad. I knew it's they were impressive. They're so. They're I was so just going to say impressive. Dude, Didn't he have one catch his rookie season? Yes, one for 15 yards. I just yeah. looked this all up. It's yeah. I forgot about that. I forgot that he had one, one catch. One catch his rookie season, and, he, and he's drafted 23rd well, overall. Let's see here. Let's compare him. <laughs> let's play a game. Let's so compare bad. him to Troy. Hold on. Oh. Let's play. Let's have some fun. Oh, poor man. Troy Williamson. Well, we need some... Well, poor us, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you got the circus music? Actually, I'm going to let Jonathan hit that game show game show page because it's like cutting out in our headphones. But um, uh, So you've, you've got Laquan Treble versus... I have La- Troy, Troy, right? I have Troy right here. Now, okay. Troy was three years in Minnesota. That's the actual game show. That brings back memories. Middle of the page. That brings back memories. Uh, so, because Treadwell was targeted three times his rookie season, caught one of them. Yeah. You know, if I was a politician, I could make a case for incremental growth. In fact, uh, what's 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 uh, what's the percentage growth of one to twenty? Isn't that like two thousand percent or something? Yeah. Right. I think I think so. Yeah. What about from twenty to thirty-five? That's like eighty percent growth, seventy-five percent growth. I'm going to say yes. Laquan Treble, 75% growth as a wide right. receiver from 2017 to 2018. I and mean, they're going to decline his fifth-year option with that kind of growth. How could they? Give me what Laquan. A failing franchise. Give me, because I've got Troy stats here. Give me Laquan Treadwell three years in, receptions, yards, and we talked about one touchdown. Total three years in? Yeah, total three years in. 
56 catches. Troy had 79. That's amazing. So Troy, so Troy Williams blows him away. Correct. 517 yards. 1,067 yards. <laughs> wow. So bust Troy Williamson yes. had twice as many yards as Laquan Treble. Yes. Touchdowns won. Three. So at least you're a little bit closer there. <laughs> what about average yards per Catch? Uh, reception? Yeah. 9.2. Uh, 13.5. Whoa. Yep. Man. Actually, for a wide receiver to be below 10 yards per reception is like, that's... Tight ends are like nine or ten yards per reception. Well, since we're going down this path, let me find because we didn't get the, to this. On Actually, Purple I, I have it up. I was, oh, okay. just, I was just about to say this. Thank you. Uh, this is good. Credit to Judd for finding it. It's from Fox Sports North. They went back and looked at the draft from three years ago and some of the analysis and grades that have come from it. Oh, um, Chad Ryder, who joined us on draft day here on Mackie and Judd with Rami from NFL.com. Are you just going to dump on him right now? No, 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 no. I mean, they. I mean, the draft. Is It's a crapshoot for the guys drafting and the guys analyzing the draft. So this is what Chad had to say. General Manager Rick Spielman got the most physical receiver in the draft in Treadwell. There's no reason he won't be a go-to guy for Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Maybe a go-to friend behind the scenes? I mean, he's... I hear he's a great sounding board. Pete Prisco said uh, he gave the draft a B-minus as a whole. Said Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, third-day gem. Contrell Brothers from CBSSports.com said the Vikings hit it right by getting Treadwell, and Alexander is a talent. Willie Beavers in the fourth round adds line depth, and Brothers is a player who could make an immediate impact. Willie Beavers is a lot of things, I'm sure, to a lot of people, his family. Line depth is not something that applies to Willie Beavers. I just like the name Willie Beavers. I believe, I believe to this day, Willie Beavers remains the highest um, Spielman pick. Not to make it out of a training camp. Willie Beaver sounds like a cartoon character. Uh, Bart, he's been with the Bears, by the way. Bart Hubbock of the New York Post. He said. Uh, he said both of the first two picks look like home runs in stud <laughs> Ole Miss wideout Laquan Treadwell and promising Clemson man coverage corner Mackenzie Alexander. Minnesota Man. is definitely on the rise. Yeah. Uh, why? Why is it that first round wide receivers? There's there's very little middle ground. You're either. Calvin Johnson or Laquan Treadwell, like you're either mega, you're either Megatron or Megaquan, and there's really mega bust, mega bust, and there's no in between. It feels like Mark Maskey of the Washington Post said the Vikings needed a receiver and got a potentially very good one in Laquan. That's Treadwell. coaching a take right there. <laughs> well, he can always say potentially. I said potentially. It's not my fault. And to, but to be fair, that night we all thought, oh, this will work out perfect. So we all believed, not knowing that poor Laquan would be slow and couldn't catch, we all believed that this pick was fine. Off the tops of your heads, this is probably more for Judd than Rami, just because Judd's been immersed in Vikings drafts and Mm -hmm. history for the last couple decades. Skill position players, so tight ends, wide receivers, and running backs. Mm -hmm. Laquan Treble's a bigger bust than Troy Williamson. Because he, I mean, unless he has a big fourth year, like he's a bigger bust than Troy Williamson. Troy Williamson was higher, higher draft. I was gonna pick. say the the higher draft pick makes Maybe makes you identify him more as a bust. Yes, because twenty third compared to seventh overall. Who else is on that Mount Rushmore? Running backs, wide receivers, oh, tight ends. Oh well, if you go back, if you go back a long ways, if I think if you look in the eighties, around eighty seven or so, the Vikings took a running back with their first pick by the name of DJ Dozier out of Penn State, fourteenth oh, yeah. overall, who was a complete bust. As I recall, he did nothing. He played 43 games in the NFL, yeah. ran for 691 yards yes. in 43 games. But that's going in the wow. way back machine. 
Um, is Toby Gerhardt second round pick? No, I don't think he is. I don't think of him as a bust because he was just supposed to play behind Peterson. Like he never really developed in, into much. But I don't know that my expectation upon seeing him was there's a player. You? There was there was there was buzz around Toby Gerhardt when he came out of college. He wasn't. I mean, he is some full. He's a fullback type of body, and I, I I didn't expect the whole. I mean, perhaps I'm I'm misremembering as they like to say now. He had a really high football IQ though. I remember that being the case. <laughs> Code for he was a white guy. Yeah. Phil. <laughs> yeah, hey, you're white. You, you must, must be. You must, you be must really tight. know what you're doing that's out there. I was just gonna say, people love them some white running backs. Like I think that's, oh, yeah. that's Rick, Rick Fenny mm-hmm. for the Vikings back in the day. Yeah, yeah, but that was a you know a big plotter. Remember Rick Peyton Fenny. Hillis? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Peyton Hillis was on the cover of Madden one year. Yeah, I know. That, that was, was about the end, the end of, of his career. Yeah. Uh, I think the more I'm going through here, I think it's possible Laquan Treble. It, depending on what you think of Troy Williamson's draft status or his draft position. Yep. Because Williamson was a better wide receiver than Laquan Treadwell, which is saying that's amazing that we say that. Uh, I think I think Laquan Treadwell is the biggest skill position player bust, non-quarterback skill position player bust in Vikings history. In history? Oh, I'd have to go back and look at that. Well, depending on what you think of like 30 years ago, DJ Dozier. Maybe DJ Dozier is on that list. But And if you want to go back to the seven, I'm sure Pat could. We'll, we'll talk to Pat about yeah. this in the... I just Next hour, but. the the Williamson pick was such a bust because you got that in the Moss trade. It was such a high pick, Cordero. But Cordero was sort of he caught like forty five passes in one year. Treadwell's a bigger bust than Cordero. Cordero's not Cordero really could a, do and yeah, Cordero could do more too. He keep, was also like the best turns. And if you're gonna put, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna you know label a guy, at least you could label Cordero Patterson as the best kick returner in the NFL for a two or three year period. Correct. I mean, there's really nothing you can do to label Laquan Treble other than dude's a bust. He's a bust. 35 so. receptions, career high, 2018. I mean, think about that. It's amazing. So, have you guys looked at the? Uh, sorry to to derail the conversation. No, no, I think we've moved. I think we've just buried him for 10 minutes. There, I think we're good. <laughs> have you guys looked at the uh, the Timberwolves timeline at all today? Uh, I check it every hour. I just didn't have time today. I'd, it's just yeah. a, a string of gifs of players being excited and celebrating something with no words. Like there's some emojis and whatnot. Hasn't this become a thing where like people, coaches, teams, etc., will before news is released, like tweet out ominous like gifs or emojis? Didn't you say um, the Gophers oh, do this? All the Gophers do Richard did Pitino. It the other day. It's a big thing with PJ Fleck and Richard Patino. That's what I was out, thinking. Like, PJ Fleck. Fleck puts out the Gopher. Bat signal whenever they get a recruit. And then you find out they got a recruit. Yep. Richard Patino does the dancing gopher from Caddyshack every time they land some sort of recruit or a transfer player. I don't know if they're foreshadowing. So, I mean, they do have to hire a player of basketball operations soon. I don't know if this is foreshadowing something. Does that warrant? I don't know. That type of. It just came across my timeline while you guys were talking. I saw a GIF. So then I clicked on the account and went back and. They've been doing this pretty much since yeah. this morning, and uh, that's—I mean—that's that, actually a good segue into what we were going to lead the show with until mm-hmm. Laquan Treadwell had his fifth-year option uh, declined by the Vikings, shockingly. And uh, the Timberwolves tweeting gifts of anything non-playoff related is really a testament to like this franchise and how they got to this point. 
We uh, were recording something for a top secret project this morning that took us down. Me, Danny, and Manny were doing something for a project we're going to release here on Score North probably sometime later on this month. And I was telling those guys, think about how unlucky you have to be as a franchise or screwed up as a franchise to have three consecutive number one overall picks on your roster at the same time. And not like three dudes who happened to be, you know, 10 years ago, this was the number one overall pick and he weaved his way in. But you had the 2013, 14, and 15 number one overall pick on your roster in 2015. So the, the the last three number one overall picks were on the Timberwolves roster. And Zach Levine, a lottery pick with all kinds of potential. And if you would have paused time in 2015 going into 2016 and said, all right, this nucleus with these three number one overall picks, and Anthony Bennett was more of, like, at that point, I think people kind of realized, yeah, this dude's not going to pan out to that extent. How did anybody ever think Anthony Bennett was number one pick <laughs> yeah. in the NBA draft? But even if you take him off the board and you say the last two number one overall picks, both highly touted and both very much on the radar going into those drafts for like four years, right? Towns and Wiggins and Zach Levine. And you say 2015, let's, let's pause the clock here. Where is this nucleus going to be in May of 2019? Would you guess tweeting random gifts leading up <laughs> To the president of basketball operations they're trying to hire because they just fired everybody. I got to the origin of the thread. I guess this morning they said, we're going to start a thread of our favorite GIFs of the season. Okay. So that's all that that is. There's no foreshadowing. But yeah. But it illustrates my point. Like it's middle of playoffs. You're four years removed from the start of this nucleus. And you're playing GIF games. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame them. They have nothing to do right now other than wait for the news to come down. They're paying that digital staff, that social media team. They might as well have them working. And it's an awesome digital staff slash social media team. Absolutely. We stole Seth Auger from that social media team. They don't have any tribute videos to produce right now, so (laughs) play some GIF games. Be careful. They might soon. Who knows? (laughs) Doesn't that... Doesn't that amaze? It probably doesn't amaze Judd. It shouldn't amaze us. We've been following the Wolves for 30 years, but like to have that runway set up on paper, Towns, Wiggins number one overall, whatever Anthony Bennett was supposed to be, even if he wasn't going to pan out to be number one overall caliber, and Zach Levine, and that's your nucleus three and a half years ago. And here you sit when your team probably should be, if they had kept that thing together and Wiggins was the player he was supposed to be, You'd be playing a second-round playoff series right now against the Rockets or somebody or the Portland Trailblazers, and we'd be uh, sweating every game every other night on TNT. And instead, we're sending out strings of gifts on Twitter because there's nothing else to do. The sad thing is I'm not really that surprised, but I guess if if you were to go, what time and place did you think things were, were going to change? It was as much the night that they got Butler and then going to the playoffs last year, and you said, okay, this isn't working out perfectly because you're, you're playing a superior team, but I can at least see where, where this is going. And I guess the least surprising thing is then to find out that Butler said that he uh, was trying to get out. But that was really the point in time, Phil, where I thought to myself, it, it's going to change, was the draft night trade yeah. for Butler. Because you said, now it's working to perfection, right? Tibbs has his guy. And the one thing with all of the bad luck and the bad things that have happened to this franchise, the one thing at that time that I never allowed for was that Jimmy Butler would tell Tibbs, I'm out of here. I thought, this is perfect. Batman and Robin. And and Cat's going to fit in and hopefully Andrew develops. But even if he doesn't, you're going to have Cat and Butler. So I guess the sad part is, the fact that the night of the Butler trade, I never allowed for the fact that the player might say, I want out of here. Ain't going to work. 
Yeah, I mean, can't we can't we boil it down real simple and say that the reason, if you go back to the root of why this thing didn't work, having those three guys on the roster all at the same time comes down to two things. Andrew Wiggins getting a max contract and not living up to it. And the Jimmy Butler trade, where you lost you lost Zach Levine, and like Judd just said, he asked for a trade a year later. I mean, that's I know that's really simplifying it and boiling it down, but we I mean Anthony Bennett was Anthony Bennett. So I don't know that you can necessarily place any blame on anybody or point any fingers for that. But if you're asking how did they get here from having three consecutive number one picks on the roster at the same time, Carl Anthony Towns panned out. Andrew Wiggins has not and somehow got a contract somewhere along the way. And then the fourth guy you mentioned, Zach Levine, he's not here anymore because he went and traded for Jimmy Butler, who yeah. wanted out of town almost immediately upon getting here. Zach Levine, by the way, he's he is a flawed player still. He doesn't really play any defense, but he's a grinder. He works on his game relentlessly in the offseason and, and even during the week between games. And he's a much more efficient and better offensive player. So he's a better player than Andrew Wiggins. And he makes $10 million less per year because... <laughs> They didn't knee-jerk sign him to a max contract extension like the Wolves. Now, maybe the Wolves, if they had traded Wiggins instead, maybe they knee-jerk and they give Levine a max contract, and he's making $27 million overpaid. But what I can't get out of my head is, and, and Judd and I did shows uh, throughout that whole period from Target Center and soaked in all the excitement, and we were definitely on board with initially the Tom Thibodeau hiring because on paper it looked like, oh, this guy's learned a lot from getting fired in Chicago, and he's taken this tour for 13 months of learning and working with Greg Popovich. And when they made the trade for Jimmy Butler, it was exciting. Jimmy Butler gave out his phone number to the audience and to the public, and it was it was jovial. But the one thing we kept coming back to on this show was, uh, they're going to be better immediately. This is going to be really fun. They've got two of the top 15 players in the NBA, but are they taking a shortcut that's going to lead to a dead end before they would have peaked otherwise. Like, are they expediting a process and just running headstrong into the Golden State Warriors dynasty and whatever the Rockets have building and the San Antonio Spurs? And so to to bring it forward here into May of 2019, now that Butler's gone and Tom Thibodeau got fired, if they had just stayed the course, even though Wiggins hasn't panned out, if they had just stayed the course with Wiggins, Levine, and Carl Anthony Towns and supplemented some other players in there, would you rather have that so that they're sort of crescendoing in whatever way? Like they wouldn't have been as good as they were with Butler, but they would have some flexibility and they have Zach Levine and Carl Anthony Towns. And, you know, maybe, maybe Wiggins is still the albatross contract that he is, but they wouldn't have fired their shot in the middle of the Warriors dynasty. And then boom, they come crashing back down and fire everybody. Does that make sense? Like they fired their shot too early. It absolutely made sense. But the shot was so quick too, though. I mean, that's what you didn't expect. If you guys recall, the one thing that we thought to be true at that time when Butler uh, was traded for was the fact that Jimmy Butler, if he had stayed here, could have been paid the most. And so we never allowed for the fact that this guy in any way, shape or form was going to leave. So our fear at that time was that they were firing their shot, but we thought the shot would go off, what, within two or three years not basically one season. That's the incredible thing. That's the Wolves. The Wolves story in a nutshell is we allowed for the fact that something might go wrong, but it was going to take like three years for it to go wrong. It expedited itself into going wrong in one year. Yeah. If so. they did keep that core together, where do, where do you think they are right now? Are we are, are we talking about a playoff team? or 
Probably not. I, it's hard. They may maybe like an eight seed, maybe, but it's hard. Like they probably could have flirted with the eight seed if they had just like not lost Covington and if they hadn't right. had some of the injuries they had and if they weren't playing Wiggins thirty six minutes a night. And was right. Tibbs was Tibbs still the guy in this equation now, or or was it not Tibbs too? See, it's because like, yeah, Rubio it, doesn't get traded away if Tibbs doesn't come here. So he's your point guard probably. Like, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that that probably get changed. Yeah, it's it's there's so many like butterfly effect things Correct. that you'd have to account for, but it's hard to, like just to go back to the original like they're the Timberwolves are tweeting random gifts of the season because they're bored because like they couldn't have one stroke of luck. Wiggins just couldn't have been the player that he was supposed to be and you'd be playing in the second round right now. Nope. Waiting on a new president of basketball operations. Real quick, while we're talking about this, uh, Woj says that Rosas met with owner Glenn Taylor today for the second interview with the Timberwolves. He's the first candidate to have a second interview. So what Doogie was telling me in the hallway today, it sounded like they were going to cut from four down to two, and then the final two were going to meet with Glenn Taylor. So I think that means Rosas is one of the for two. sure a finalist, if okay. not the finalist. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North. If you haven't downloaded our Score North mobile app yet, it's a one-stop shop for live listening. It's also a stop for uh, podcasting and reading articles from guys like Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar, and we reward you the longer you listen. You can Actually, rack up prizes. I'm sorry. Woj is reporting the Minnesota Timberwolves are hiring Houston's Gerson Rosas Whoa. as the franchise's next president of basketball operations. That's happening right now? That's what he said. He tweeted it out three minutes ago. Alrighty then. And that's a real Woj bomb. That's a blue right. check mark and everything. We have a Woj bomb. We have a, Jason Starks coming up here soon, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a major Woj bomb. The Wolves have a new president of basketball operations, and it is Gerson Rosas, 18 years with the Houston Rockets. The Wolves are going to shoot threes if this is legit. Mackie and Judd with Rami <laughs> back shortly. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. When did the dunk contest jump the shark? If you actually pulled out a stuffed shark and jumped it to dunk. Oh, yeah, and then ended it. I love that. The dunk contest did jump the shark. But I thought, actually, was it last year that I was thoroughly entertained by the dunk contest? Do you guys remember who won it last year? <laughs> <laughs> What else are you going to watch this weekend? The AAF? I'd rather drink. <laughs> Matthew and Judd with Rami on Score North and scorenorth.com. Thank you, Jonathan Mackey and Judd with Rami. And yes, that sound means there is breaking news and a Woj bomb drop just before we hit a break. Usually uh, Jason Stark would be joining us here, but because of the Woj bomb, he'll be joining us in uh, just a little bit, about 4.40. Adrian Wojnarowski before the break, breaking the news that the Timberwolves have hired Houston's, Houston's Gerson Rosas as the franchise's next president of basketball operations after a second meeting with uh, owner Glenn Taylor today, he apparently was also in the running for the Washington Wizards job. So maybe the Wolves felt there was there was some urgency and they had to move on this guy once yeah. they decided he was their guy. I want to read you guys, for people who missed the show yesterday, I want to read a series of text messages from somebody who knows Gerson Rosas very well okay. in NBA circles. And and I, and this is just me poking around for, hey, I don't really know much about this guy. What can you tell me? And I'm just going to sort of selectively go through this so people can, can learn about Gerson Rosas. Um, Rosas would be a far better hire than Chauncey. He could also get KG back because he's a relationships guy. Lives by the mantra that winning isn't the answer to solve things. Winning is a result of doing things the right way. 
I would describe him using words like compassion, togetherness, knowledge acquisition, being a good person, and uh, creating a supporting environment. The opposite of Tom Thibodeau. (laughs) (laughs) Like, listen to those words, okay? Compassion, togetherness, knowledge acquisition, being a good person, and supporting each other. Like, you could not describe more of an antithesis to Tom Thibodeau than those things right there. And Thibodeau. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Yes, I'm sorry. You did there. Um, The Timberwolves need more accountability in the franchise. Gerson's biggest plus, he has a strength guy who's bringing, uh, who he might be bringing to the Timberwolves if he gets hired, who is single-handedly responsible for transforming James Harden in the offseason. A strength guy who would get in James Harden's face and push him to a new level. And obviously Harden is fantastic on his own, but helps to have somebody pushing you. And there's been a knock on Wiggins and Towns for, okay, maybe, especially Wiggins, like, Let's add another element to your game here in the offseason. Let's build some strength so you're not getting pushed around here and there, right? Um, And also, Gerson has spent time in past years with the Vikings to understand how other teams operate. Uh, Just a guy who sort of studies different organizations around professional sports. So I just everything I've cut and I've heard some other things from other people, too. I think this is a home run hire by Glenn Taylor. And maybe you can play back tape of me and Judd saying the same thing about Tom Thibodeau. But the fact that you went out... It's a solid single right now. We'll see. But I think on paper, if you could say, who are the most progressive and smart teams in the NBA? And the Houston Rockets are definitely on that list, right? They're like one of the three or five on that list. Okay, who is the right-hand man that's ready to become a GM or a president of basketball operations that's like like ready to take what they've learned from their current spot, and go somewhere else. And Gerson Rosas is on a short list of three or five people around the NBA, and the Wolves just hired him, according to Adrian Wojnarowski and other reports. 16 years in Houston, do we know why he was there so long? That's a long time, which could be a good thing, and it could be a a, uh, red flag, too. I don't know. Well, Thad Levine was like, wasn't he with Texas for 10 years? I don't know. Sometimes 16 years is just a long time. Yeah. And then he had talked... So. he had talked to Washington. He had talked uh, to Charlotte uh, and the Pelicans before they pulled the trigger on David Griffin, I believe, correct, mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks, and the Wolves. So, yeah, it's, you know what, this is the sports thing, and it's not surprising, and it's probably smart, though. But a lot of times when you go through what the Wolves just went through with Tibbs, you are going to go out and find a guy who's nothing like him. And in this case, that's not going to be bad. I'll go back to what I told you guys on the show on Tuesday. The one thing is I really wish that this guy, and perhaps that this will come to pass, would get here and be told, this is your show. Run it. Who's your coach? Who's your GM? Everything is is yours. If he is told, okay, the job's yours, but you're taking this guy and this guy, I'm a little bit more apprehensive. Not that he's not going to do a good job, but that handcuffs him a little bit from day one, I would love to see him be told, you're the president of basketball operations. We totally trust you. You're going to bring different ideas here, a different culture for sure. And the entire thing is a blueprint now for you to run. Yeah, to me, if you if you don't do that, you're just handcuffing your guy. And, and really, I mean, it's not even really his show until he does get to hire his first GM and or coach. I feel like you can't even start the clock ticking on on a guy who's calling the shots for an organization until he really gets control and and you hand over decisions like that to him. So I'm I'm with you 100%, Judd. If he wants Ryan Saunders, great. If he wants if he wants to keep the GM Scott Layden, great. 
perfect. We trust you. Go ahead and make that decision. But I hope that's not something that's being dictated to him behind the scenes. As far as the hire itself, whenever whenever there's a job like this on the line, let's be honest, we don't really know who a lot of these guys are. The only name on the list of candidates that you recognized when it first came out for Wolves president of basketball operations was Chauncey Billups. If you're a casual or even somewhat uh, hardcore basketball fan, the one name that you recognized on there was Chauncey Billups. So if you watched Duke basketball 20 years ago, you watched the Alaskan assassin Trajan Langdon, <laughs> that's right? That's true. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> Who I had no clue was, was with the Nets, but yeah, that's great. I'm a big Trajan Langdon guy. Right. If somebody would have said to you two weeks ago, hey, would you want Trajan Langdon to be the president like, of basketball operations? You'd be like, uh... Is he, what is he doing? How about, I saw, how about Christian Leitner? I saw that report, Trajan Langdon, among the candidates, and then a day later, somehow the report came across my timeline again, and I was like, oh yeah, he played for Duke. It didn't even dawn on me like for 24 yeah. hours that that was the Duke guy. But more than, more than names, because we're not going to recognize most of the names that are candidates for a job like this, I look for traits in, in the guy that they hire, and... A few of the traits that I look for are A, comes from a successful organization that's been successful for a while, and you have that in the Rockets. Thoughtful and analytics-driven, I like that. And a relationship builder. I think those are all good traits for this next president of basketball operations. We'll see how he applies it to the actual job itself, but I I like where this guy comes from, and I, I like what you just read off to me about him and and what type of guy he is, how he operates. So if you're wondering, okay, just how... We know the Rockets shoot threes, but like, how many threes do the Rockets shoot? And what are the Timberwolves likely to be doing here as uh, as Gerson Rosas takes over the organization? Not only do the Houston Rockets shoot a lot of threes, they shot 600 more threes than the second-place team in the NBA. The Rockets shot an average of... Let's see here. Just under, my God, uh, just under 46 three-point attempts per game. Yeah. The Houston Rockets. We saw it last year in the playoffs. The Timberwolves, and I think this might have been a franchise high for the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves shot 29. So in any given quarter, the Rockets were taking a handful more threes than the Minnesota Timberwolves. And uh, I know the wolves. The wolves' only perimeter player who shoots threes is Robert Covington that's I, right now. That's so they're going to have a drastic overhaul of personnel. That's my question. How how much of if if uh, Rosas brings the Rockets mentality here? How much of the current Wolves roster is constructed to morph into that potentially? Well, Covington for sure. Carl Anthony Towns absolutely. Yep, agreed. Dario Saric for sure. Um, Wiggins has a couple spots on the floor. That he can shoot threes from, so I could see if if I know he's overpaid and I am the absolute like number one anti Wiggins guy, but if you can't trade him and it doesn't make sense to attach two first round picks just to ship the contract somewhere, a guy like Gerson Rosas, you'd think could say, okay, he's not he's not going to be Kevin Durant. Like the ship has sailed on this guy becoming a number one overall pick caliber player, but maybe we can find three spots on the floor that he's comfortable at, and we can run plays and make sure that he's not shooting 20 times a game, but he's shooting... They're going to draw little circles for him? They sh- in practice, You're kidding, they should. But when Mike Budenholzer took over for the Bucks, yeah, one of the first things that he did was he put squares all over the court with Dude. tape and said, you... Like Twister? Are, he said, these are the only spots I want you guys running to and shooting from. Okay. Literally. he. I think he put five boxes around the three-point line and then a couple down in the paint 
and that was where they started from. That was the that was the base for Mike Budenholzer's offensive system when he got to Milwaukee. He said, "I want you running and shooting to these spots and these spots only." So I don't. I mean, you're saying it like it's a joke, but I think there's something to that, really. It sort of was at first, but oh. now you're talking about serious. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, if you're, I don't know, I don't know how. It, to me, it's so baffling that Wiggins has been in the league for five years or whatever it's been, five years, I think, and he still doesn't understand to not take a twenty foot jump shot with a hand in your face. So, like, why why hasn't Tom Thibodeau? Why hasn't Ryan Saunders? Like Scott Layden? Can somebody either come in? I think they've tried. And, well, but but then their communication. He just then it's one or two things. Then then either their communication's terrible or they're not holding him accountable. You don't, don't take those shots and play thirty six minutes. Don't forget this kid flat out said in the in the midst of, of another bad year, I love my shot. In the yeah. locker room, he said, "I love my shot." There's nothing to love there, and he said that. What if he's stuck here too? What's his role off the bench? Wiggins? Yeah, I mean, with, if it, with the new with the Gerson Rosas regime? Yes. Yes, if you can absolutely now tell Glenn, I've got to be able to, I can't trade him, but I have to be, we have to use him as I see fit. What's his role? Well, I, it, I'm i trying to think of, um, Towns is a, is a starter for sure. I think Covington should be a starter for sure. I think, I almost think every other spot is just like. Up for grabs. It's up for grabs, right? There's no really in reality the only spot that's solidified for the next four years anyways is Carl Anthony Towns. I mean sure. Robert Covington's a nice complimentary player, but Covington's not like Robin to Towns Batman. And no, they don't Wiggins, have a Robin. No, contractually they do, but you can't. You know, it's kind of like Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he gets paid like a top five quarterback, but okay, let's let's not put the game on his shoulders in primetime against a winning team. Andy yeah, if, Wiggins. If Wiggins doesn't grow into that contract or you can't find somebody who plays for a max who plays who plays like a max player on a much lesser deal, I don't think I don't think Gerson Rosas or anybody can really fix this thing until you find a way to unload Andrew Wiggins' contract. Yeah. So, how about that? We just like we got into a little random random conversation about oh, the Wolves are bored. They're sending they're just putting gifts out all over the place. Perhaps and, they did know something. I thought the GIFs might be right. a precursor or foreshadowing, but mm-hmm. it was something that they just started this morning, their favorite GIFs of the 2019 season. They, just posted, they just posted another one. They haven't confirmed the news they're yet. Still doing they, it? they just posted one that says, Rocco looking up because he can't believe we're continuing with this thread. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo, Shabazz Khan and company with the Timberwolves. Amazing. So if you're just joining here, thank you for listening. We are Mackie and Jeb with Rami. And uh, for those of you who I, I see, we, we sent out a push notification on our mobile app, and we see a lot of people came in and listened to us in the last 10 or 15 minutes. If you want push notifications for breaking news, like the the thing that just happened here, the Timberwolves have just hired Gerson Rosas from the Houston Rockets to be their new president of basketball operations. Sign up and uh, well, sign up. Uh, oh. Download mobile app? What's the word I'm looking yeah, for? Download. Like, go like download our mobile app. Sign up say, for our mobile app. I just app. say go get it. Go get our mobile go app. Go get the mobile app. <laughs> On the uh, Google Play and Store. And then you can subscribe to your favorite podcast. You can do that. Give us those five-star ratings. Leave your comments. There you go. You can also find us on Spotify. Say Alexa, <laughs> open Score North. Live.scorenorth.com and on AM1500. We're everywhere, basically. Everywhere you want to be. Jason Stark will join us next, and then we're going to get the inside scoop on Gerson Rosas from our friend Matt Thomas at the top of the hour. It's Mackie and Jeb Rami from the TCL Studios, where uh, we'll have to flip to NBA TV here pretty soon or uh, something something 
NBA related because we want to find out more about the Timberwolves' new Pobo Gerson Rosas. You know, you get access to 4,000 plus streaming channels when you have that built in Roku device inside your TCL TV. And, uh, and there's a reason why TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand because of things like a built in Roku device and the, the top notch picture quality you get. You go compare the picture quality and uh, the entertainment streaming options and the price of a TCL TV to almost any other TV on the market. You can just go into any major local retailer here in the Twin Cities and just size them up, do a little tail of the tape next to each other. And 10 times out of 10, you're going to come away thinking this TCL TV is what I have to have in my living room. It's what I have to have in my man cave or wherever it is. TCLUSA.com or, again, any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami from the TCL Studios. Timberwolves have a new Pobo. Thank you very much, Jonathan Harrison. The breaking news this hour on Mackie and Jeb with Rami is uh, that Rami made La Tortuga sandwiches in the break room earlier They were today. delicious. That's the breaking My news. Yes. You like them, so Jonathan? Good. Yeah. So good. Good. Williams Astadio-inspired sandwiches. Collar no. scarfed his down in, in one commercial break. It was impressive. Yeah. Delicious. Actually, the real breaking news is the Timberwolves hired a new president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas. You can read all about him. He was with the Rockets for the last almost 20 years. And uh, you can read about it at scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com. We'll talk to Matt Thomas, radio voice of the Rockets, in about 15 minutes. Find out just how many threes the Wolves will be shooting going forward. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's Jason Stark from the Athletic and MLB Network. Maybe it's as many uh, home runs as teams are hitting per game right now in baseball. In fact, you have a big story uh, on uh, the front page of the Athletic right now. And is it true that we are on pace for more home runs than the PED era at this point? We are definitely on pace for more home runs than the PED era because we're on pace for more home runs than have ever been in in any season ever. And my prediction in this piece is we're going to wind up with a thousand more home runs this year than any season of the PED era. How about that? Wow. That's. Did you say a thousand more, Jason Stark? I said a thousand more, Judd. Jason, I got it. it, It's not sitting right. It's it's, what, the the La Tortuga sandwich? Oh, no. The La Tortuga sandwich was delicious. That home run total, (laughs) I'm not sure about you. And and we've, you know, certainly talked in recent weeks, Jason Stark, about uh, baseballs being in play and stuff. But that seems over the top ridiculous to me. It's crazy. Uh, and, you know, I, in, in the piece, I looked at some stuff, uh, you know, like the home run rate per game in April would be a record for a full season, but April is never a year, is never a month when, when players traditionally hit a lot of home runs. The, you know, you look at the rest of the season versus April, almost any year ever, and many more home runs are hit May through September than are hit in April because it's cold. So if that home run rate goes up, it, it, it's going to be an insane number of homers. And you can run a million different theories by me on why you think that is. I'll say, yeah, possibly. Probably, theoretically, but it all comes back to one thing. The baseballs are flying. It's about the ball. So you think the balls are juiced? You think there's something to the theory that the balls are juiced? (laughs) 
You know, one of the guys I talked to for this piece said to me, I hate that term, the ball is juiced, because it feels like if you're juicing it, you're juicing it on purpose. (laughs) And I don't really think this is some kind of massive conspiracy. I really doubt that Rob Manfred woke up one morning and said, we need to juice the ball. I doubt that happened. Uh, nobody's flown to the, the factory in Costa Rica or wherever it is now and and secretly changed the the drag coefficient. I just know <laughs> that I can refute every other possibility. There's been great research done on this in baseball perspectives, but it, here's what it comes down to. I, I, you know, people tell me about launch angle, approaches change, front foot hitting, all that. The rate of fly balls has barely changed. And if, if we, this was a launch angle world, you'd see a big difference in that rate, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. But you know what's changed? The percentage of fly balls that land in your popcorn box or your beer mug. You know, it's one. It's more than one in every seven fly balls. There's a home run now. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this. It's amazing. Uh, Jason Stark is with us here. He's a weekly guest on Mackie and Jeb with Rami from MLB Network. And if you want to read his stuff at theathletic.com slash MLB, you can. And uh, could you explain to us and also the audience, I think unless you have a real strong inner knowledge of uh, of like compensation picks and June deadlines, you might not uh, you might not know why some of these free agents so why like Craig Kimbrell is still sitting out there why is it likely he won't sign until maybe sometime in June or July Yeah he and Dallas Keuchel both I think don't are not likely at this point to sign before the draft um as my colleague Ken Rosenthal wrote this week that's they they would still like to sign before then but they they've been sitting out there all this time so why not wait another month or so until after the draft because at that point they are no longer tied to draft pick compensation and what could help their market more than that i it might not work out that way but increasingly the people i talk to think that's more likely now than unlikely it's bizarre isn't it yeah um, yeah, I mean, like at at some point, you got to wonder: is it going to take if he doesn't sign till July? A Craig Kimbrell or even Keuchel? Is it going to take him until August to ramp up? And now maybe that's I don't know. Yeah, maybe I would. That's good. I would think, Jason, that there is somebody out there who is is of the win now mentality and has has to have a not have to, has to have an eye on the opportunity to jump ahead or jump out in front of these other teams and go get them while everybody else is sitting back and trying to to save draft picks. Wouldn't you think somebody? Somewhere out there in a 30-team league would, would have that mentality? Yeah, but I, w- I would have thought that somebody would have had that mentality before May, too. True. You know? Um, look, this has become a war of wills to a certain <laughs> degree. Um, Kimball, the last I heard, was still asking for four years, and... If the average annual amount was enough, he might take three. But this, this idea that I mean, he's, you're going to get him at some kind of bargain rate for a year or half a season, he's just not in that frame of mind. Uh, Keiko would take a one-year deal, but it'd be a big number for the for the one year, and then you got to ramp him up to get going. Uh, both both of these situations 
are really getting uncomfortable for everybody. I, I mean, it takes a long time to, for a starting pitcher to build up to pitch in a game, even though he's supposedly been throwing 100 pitches every five days. Yes. And I know people will say, well, Craig Kimball's only going to have to throw an inning, but they said that about Greg Holland last year, too, and that was a disaster. So no matter whether you're a closer or a starter, you're going to need some time after you sign. So we're not going to see these guys for quite a while. Jason, what do you think solves this? Because this is year two now uh, of some pretty prominent people, uh, and not a lot, but prominent, who who don't sign for extended periods. What do you think is the solution? Because this is, as you said now, uncomfortable and just downright odd to a certain point, I think. You know, there's a lot that's gone into this situation, but I, I think the number one reason both these two guys are unsigned is agents. Uh, their agents overvalued their players, and hey, it's fine to do that in the first week of November, but you've got to read the market and not allow this to happen. And that didn't occur with either guy. Uh, Scott Boris with Dallas Keuchel, David Meter with Craig Kimbrell, just didn't understand the forces at work in the, in the current free agent market. Life is different now. It just is. Uh, Jason Stark, just one quick thing before we get to uh, weekly trivia with you so you can stump us and uh, make us feel inadequate. Your quick thoughts on the Minnesota Twins. The Twins hit 23 home runs in two series against the lowly Orioles. Uh, they've uh, they've split a couple games here with the Astros this week. They beat Verlander one nothing. but now that we're into May, I mean, it's a, it's a month of pretty good baseball for our Twins here in the Twin Cities. What are your, what are your general thoughts? Yeah, we'll all miss the Orioles. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get them on, trying to get them on the schedule a couple more times. Great Triple A team, Jason. The good news is that's the last you'll have to see of Garrett Cole, so that'll help. <laughs> um, but hey, what a lineup! You know, I, I I threw out the first series of the year against the Indians, and I threw out this series where they only scored one run. And they're a team averaging six runs a game and five extra base hits a game, yeah. and that will work. I mean, I, I, according to baseball reference, they've played one of the easiest schedules in baseball, but they're in the AL Central. <laughs> That's going to continue. Uh, you know, the questions are, all right, how many home runs are they going to hit? They're not going to hit 300, but they're going to break the team record. Um, what pitching are they going to have to add? Uh, I'm surprised their pitching has been as good as it's been, especially the bullpen. Um, and... You know, the, the progress in Jaco Rizzi and Martin Perez is exciting, but would anybody take Barrios, Odorizzi, and Gibson or Perez over Kluber, Bauer, Carrasco, even if those three guys in Cleveland aren't the same? I don't think so. So I think that big addition sometime in July could really determine yeah. how good this team winds up being and how far they go. Yeah. All right, Jason, why don't you, uh, why don't you stump us? kind of trivia you got for us this week? I got to listen to the music here for just a second. Sure, yeah. <laughs> get in the mood. Yeah, get in that sure. <laughs> Dim the lights. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. All right, Jorge Polanco, boys, is slugging six hundred. Georgie Porgy. Yeah, and he plays shortstop. You just don't see this. Last 20 years, 
only two shortstops have slugged 600 over any full season. Not twin shortstops. That's, they've never <laughs> even had one in 500. That was funny, Jason. How many years? <laughs> 20. Which two shortstops in the last 20 years have had a season or more where they slugged 600? A-Rod. Mm-hmm. Was A-Rod yeah. playing shortstop a- in the last 20 a- years? A- that makes A-Rod's sense. the easy one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there are right. a bunch of times. 20 years. All right. I have a name that I want to run by you guys. Let's do a little... Uh, not, a, not as a final answer. Yeah, okay, yeah. go ahead. Right. But, uh, and this name is in my head because I just rewatched uh, Game 5 of the 2002... This is the name I was going to talk ALDS, there, Miguel yeah. Tejada. It's the name I, that was in my head, too. So unless Judd has a different name... No, go right ahead. Miguel Tejada. Okay. Are we all in agreement? Let's all do right. it. Yeah. Is it Miguel Tejada, Jason Stark? It is not Miguel Tejada. Hmm. Way to go, Rami. I okay. told you that wasn't it, in my head. It, it is a shortstop from that generation, if let's, that helps. All right, let's keep... Hold on. Okay. Let, me, let me look at Miguel Tejada. So that generation would... Come up on my list. That would have been like... Nomar, Nomar wasn't slugging like... Jeter wasn't not slugging never, like that. Miguel no. Tejada never slugged higher than 534. Really? What a wuss. A, Twins couldn't have used him, Jason. That's a lot of slugging right there. Um, was it, it's really a lot of slugging. Did this... Okay, was it AL or NL when this feat was accomplished? I mean, I'll give it away probably if I do that, but it's AL. Wow, I, I feel so inadequate man. right I now. I know, I got nothing. I, this guy looked like he was going to be a Hall of Famer for a while there, then it didn't happen. Gosh. See, I'm thinking, but not 20, I'm I, thinking farther back than 20 years ago for this. Well, like no what's upon time? Worked at Noma? ESPN. Is, is, no, it, all? is Nomar? it Nomar? Nomar? No, it was. Really? There's no so in the we, last wow. twenty years. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay, Nomar slugged six oh three one year. Holy cow! There's so many guys that came close. I like. I thought Tula would be a great guess. Hanley Ramirez would be a great guess. Trevor Story. Even that Rich Aurelia. Man, Brent, <laughs> did you just say Rich Aurelia? Yeah, wow. he came close. He had a couple big years. Yeah, Rich Aurelia. He did. Yeah, Giants, I, I, right? I knew Nomar. I knew Nomar had some big years. Shortstop? What's the Twins record? You, you want to you you even take a guess at it? Um, is it? Um, I'll let these guys. Good God. Is it? Well, no, it's not J.J. It Hardy. could be our guy, could it? Who's our guy? Smalley? Roy? Roy? Roy boy? Roy hit like 25 or 30 Roy, Roy the All-Star year in 79, too. All right. Roy Smalley. Uh, no, it's not Roy Smalley. It's that. This is hard to believe. It's that Christian Guzman. Yeah, well, he had 20 triples one oh, year. okay. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, he. It I don't feel bad. Home run strides he made. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still don't feel bad. Uh, well, Seventy-seven in two thousand one. Wow. Okay. Well, you guys did well with that. That was a hard one. Well, well we really didn't do. We that tried. Well, we gave a good effort. Jason, <laughs> we appreciate it. People can read Jason Stark's stuff on the Athletic. Go subscribe, and you can uh, see him on TV on MLB Network too. So we'll talk next week. See you, Jason. That's good, guys. Thanks. All right, great stuff. If you missed the big news of the afternoon here, well, two things. Laquan Treadwell's 50-year option not being picked up. That's not a shocker. The Wolves have hired a president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas from the Houston Rockets. We're going to talk to Radio Voice of the Rockets to learn more about the Timberwolves' new Pobo when we come back. Matt Thomas joins us on Mackie and Jeb with Rami.